How do working mums manage it all between raising kids, paid work, drop-offs and pick-ups, the incessant domestic load, friends and family and, well, let's just forget about me time. I can tell you it is a challenge. I'm Jacinta Tynan, news presenter, journalist, author and mum of two young boys. Welcome to The Mother Shift, a babyology podcast where we explore the ins and outs of different work-life situations with different mums. Taking full maternity leave entitlements isn't always an option for some women or what they want, but what happens when you're the breadwinner and your partner becomes the primary caregiver? Siobhan Hunt and her husband, Daniel Guerra, both work in creative professions. He's a freelance photographer and she's a journalist, producer and host of Kindling Conversation. As it turned out, after the birth of their daughter, Siobhan had better work options, so Daniel became a stay-at-home dad. Siobhan joins us on The Mother Shift. Welcome, Siobhan. Hello, Jacinta. So can you tell us your work-life balance with your husband pre-children? <laughs> what was it like back then? Um, you know, it's always it had always been a little bit, um, I want to say chaotic, but that might be because I'm a mum and everything's chaotic <laughs> now. But it was, it was always quite flexible, but it was never a pressure. You know, when I say flexible, I mean that my work was pretty consistent because I worked um, firstly in advertising when we met and then I transitioned my career. But as a freelance photographer, he never had any guaranteed work. So it was at the time when I think about it now, all we had to worry about was rent. But I still, <laughs> I still worried about rent. And when I decided to change my career, and of course, I went from one career that was in advertising that was kind of stable to trying to make it in media, which was incredibly competitive and not very well paid. So in a way, we've always struggled, but the pressures were very different before we had children. I love that idea of all you had to worry about was the rent. You laugh at that now, don't you? And also time. You think, what did I do with all that time that I had? Yeah. When you were pregnant, obviously you were working full time then. How did you plan for maternity leave and going back to work? It's kind of not what you expect, is it? And what I what was really surprising for me when I was pregnant is I, gosh, I was so naive. I thought um, I worked for a company that had a really good reputation for looking after its workers, but I never looked at the detail. And even though I was working full-time hours, I was a contractor. So maternity leave was not a guarantee. And I kind of fell pregnant thinking, well, if I wait to be made an ongoing staff member with all those entitlements, I'll never have a baby. So let's go ahead and do it. I'm sure it'll take care of itself and we'll be fine. And in fact, we fell pregnant after a trip to the States. Like we went to the States. It was kind of our last hurrah. And I was like, let's just go for it. Let's try. And we came back without any money. And I was pregnant. And then uh, it proceeded to be a very difficult time for Daniel to get work. So I kept working in my role as a contractor, desperately trying to find out what my security would be, well, what kind of maternity leave was available to me. And for most of my pregnancy, I wasn't sure I was going to get it. So the first pregnancy in terms of how we were going to marriage, manage maternity leave was one of the most stressful times of my life. 
So you made the decision as a couple for you to go back to work and Daniel to stay home. Was that a pretty clear cut about deciding to do it that way? Not really. I think from the beginning of falling pregnant to going back to work, we were we were kind of free-falling. We had the assumption that it would work out because uh, essentially insecure work is meant to be good for you in the sense it's flexible so that you can work things out how they how you want it to work in your family. What we found was that my work, even though it wasn't guaranteed, if it, if I was locked in for a contract, it would be for a set amount of days. So to begin with, I started sort of working casually at university, taking a few days on, but at the same time, throwing out the net saying, I'm available. Do you want me to work here? Do you want me to work wherever? And it just so happened that radio, especially radio producers, they need a, a consistent amount of time. They need you four days or five days or three days, week in, week out. Whereas photography was like a one-off 18-hour day or a week of work or something like that. So we didn't actually sit down and say, okay, you'll go back to work more and you and Daniel, you'll stay home and be the main carer. It just made sense. To it do just it made sense. Way. Yeah, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it was literally. What other choice do we have? Um, and there are pros and cons to that. How did you feel about that? About I think you said your first baby was ten months old. Did you feel like you were ready to go back to work? Were you abandoning ship? Oh, completely. I think that again was another surprise, and and I felt a bit naive about that because even when I was pregnant, I loved my work. I I changed to radio fairly late in my career, if you could say it that way. I was 28. So I'd worked really hard to get where I was. And in some ways, falling pregnant, I felt like I'd thrown it all away because I had no guarantees there'd be work to come back to. And then when that work presented itself, I thought I'd be like, right, here we go, back on the career path, back proving myself, back getting those opportunities. And you know what I didn't factor on happening was loving my baby. <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous, right? You know, um, of course, there were moments that it was hard and boring and isolating and all that stuff. But there was something on a really biological level that made me feel at peace when I was home with her. And going back to work felt really weird because I was in an environment that people didn't really talk about their kids and it was current affairs and it was issues and everything was, you know, happening really fast. And I just felt like I'd left a pace of life that was so much more intimate and slow and honest, I guess, to where I was. So I felt it, it was hard to leave. Um, also because I wasn't, I went back, eventually went back four days a week and whenever they needed more hours from me. I gave it to them because we had no guarantee that Daniel would get work. So I just kept saying yes. And the tension for us as a couple at that time was, uh, I think because I was so passionate about my career, he also assumed that that's what I would want. And I think the world looks at those situations in black and white dichotomies. It's like, she's the career woman. He likes being at home with the kids. And I said, well, I never said that. I I want us to co-parent. I'm saying yes to these hours and these days because we we literally have no choice. I have to do this. But 
my ideal scenario was always working three days a week. That to me was the perfect balance. Work three days, have two days with the kids. Um, Did you lose your ambition when baby came along, do you think? I think I did. I think I got a bit confused about where ambition fit in all of that. And being a working mum, so I've had anxiety for years, but I didn't have anxiety when I had my baby. I was very lucky. The anxiety came back when I started working. And I think the thing was, it took a few years, probably until the birth of my son, to let that ambition or the understanding of ambition settle. So it wasn't that I didn't want to do well anymore. It wasn't that I didn't want to progress in my career. I just knew that what it would take to do it wasn't worth it for me. It was no longer the be all and end all? No. No. Well, I knew, I mean, I guess I knew what the sacrifice would be. If I wanted to do well, I had to be prepared to stay late at work when I was tired. I'd have to not see my children in the evening. I'd I'd have to make all these sacrifices that I just wasn't prepared to do. And I actually remember a conversation with a friend of mine in radio who said, she used to work in England and she said, if I'd stayed at the BBC and I hadn't had kids, I could have been a gun presenter by now. And we kind of compared ourselves to all these amazing women who have children. And I said, yeah, but you know what that would have meant for your family life. That would have meant your husband would have had to stay home or you'd need a full-time nanny. And she was really, and still is really involved with her children's lives. And I said, would you do that? And she said, well, no. And I said, well, you know, we kind of have to make that choice, I think. We talk a lot about working women doing well, and I'm not saying that you can't, but the working women I know or I've I've listened to who've done well have way more energy than I do, (laughs) you know. I kind of had to accept, this sounds weird, but I had to accept what made me happy. And that wasn't just being with my kids. That was also having a bit of downtime. And that might be reading a book before bed. What? I know, right? (laughs) Who does that? (laughs) No one. So you mentioned that there was sort of an understanding that you must have wanted to be the career woman and Daniel must have wanted to stay home, but you never actually had had that conversation. Did you resent him for not being able to pick up the pieces there and for you having to go back into the workforce? Yeah, I think I did. And I don't think he'd be surprised to say that because we had lots of conversations about it. And I think the difficult thing about it as well is that when we came together as a couple before kids, we both knew that we were pursuing careers of passion, not for financial security or gain. And he had supported me through the transition to radio, which effectively meant me cutting my salary in half. So for us to be in the situation where I'm like, can you just get more regular work? Can, you know, this is a conversation that we had up until the beginning of this year, you know, and it's only resolved itself because he's changed careers effectively. Um, it's, it's a hard one because even while I was resenting it, I also didn't want him to do something he wouldn't enjoy or that wasn't something that lit his fire, you know. And do you still think that there is a stigma around the stay-at-home dad? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe it's changed now. My daughter's almost six, but when we had her, I'll never forget that on Mother's Day, the first Mother's Day, 
he got texts from his friends saying happy Mother's Day. And it was a dig because he was at home with her. And I mean, the other thing about dad staying at home, Daniel was part-time at home, right? So he would look after her a couple of days. My parents would look after her a day or so. And then I had a day with her. But for him doing two or three days, it was like he was a stay-at-home dad and that I was the working mum, even though I still did all that other stuff. So there was that side for me. But for him, uh, none of his mates got it. I think they understand more now. But at the beginning, they didn't understand why he would take that responsibility on. There's a long way to go in that area, isn't there? There must also be some advantages to having the dad at home with the kids, for you or for him. Oh, or for both, them. both for everyone. I think it did. I, you know, if I could say one thing to my, you know, younger self in that situation, it would be, just let it, just let it happen, just enjoy it. And it, part of my brain did know that at some point in the future we may not have this kind of, you know, setup. The things that were good were my daughter got an enormous amount of time with her dad in the very early years. I think the reason that we work as a couple, and I say this to everyone, if you're going to have babies with someone, make sure they have three to six months at home as a full-time carer because then they'll understand what it is, what it is, not just fun times when you get home from work. So he has a really good understanding of what it's like to be with the kids. Also, now that they're older, he is totally fine being left at home with them, where I still know dads who are like, what, you want me to be with them a whole day on my own? Feed him, clothing them, whatever, you know. You don't get that with Daniel. Um, and if I could could have just switched off that worry about money, we, we, it was beautiful, you know, and I would get home and Daniel would have dinner ready and, you know, so yeah, there was a lot of good things about it as well. Yeah. That's time you can never take back. So it sounds like the whole family really benefited from that. If only you could have realized it at the time and that's the hard thing, isn't it? You're listening to the podcast, The Mother Shift with me, Jacinta Tynan, and I'm talking to Siobhan Hunt. Stick around because later we'll be having a chat with our resident careers counsellor and psychologist, Kirsty Levin, who will be taking a look at each mum's experiences and challenges to help other mums returning to the workforce. So we're talking about the challenges of going back to work after kids. And in Siobhan's case, her husband, Daniel, became the primary caregiver, but he was also working as a freelance photographer. So you mentioned, Siobhan, about how you were managing those childcare arrangements. It sounds like, though, the mum, in your case, you, was still carrying most of the load. Oh, absolutely. I still am. You know, it's still, you know, I could say to my husband in the school holidays, he'll, he'll just look at me and, where, where is Darcy today? It's like, they're, they're, no idea. Part of that equation is that my family are based in Sydney and he's from Adelaide. So we live in Sydney and my family support is here. So part of it is probably because he's not comfortable asking my parents to look after our kids. So that fell to me. But I have found that possibly one of the most stressful things about working is finding care for my kids. To begin with, it's the decision to put them into childcare and where you're happy to leave them and then the feelings of guilt that you're not at home with them. And then 
uh, with family. So I'm one of three children. We all have two kids each and all of the children are under six. So my parents pretty much look after their grandchildren every day of the week, except for Wednesdays because they play golf. So there would be sometimes days when they had four kids and my parents are in their 70s. And that caused friction in the family because we were all in creative jobs as well. So there was no guarantee when anyone would need someone. It was just like the most complicated game of Tetris you would ever hope to try and arrange. And it, at the beginning of each year, it was always stressful and emotional stress, emotional stress about leaving your child, emotional stress about asking people for help, and then personal stress about trying to work out what your working days were. When I was on a contract, I never knew what they were until they offered me a contract. So that was really difficult at the beginning. You mentioned that Daniel, your husband, now has a full-time job. How's that changed things? Ah, oh, enormously. Enormously. <laughs> for the better? Oh, for the better. Absolutely. I mean, it's quite funny because I saw my GP the other day and uh, we were doing a mental health plan for my anxiety. And one of the things said, relationship stress over financial issues. And she looked at me and I went, you can delete that. And she just deleted it. And I went, oh my God, that is amazing. <laughs> that feels amazing. Because... He now, he took a job as a site manager on a building site, very different from photography, but it has changed everything for us. He is much more relaxed and confident. He still gets to exercise what he's good at, which is being with people and managing people and making things happen. But we don't worry anymore about Summer, for example, summer was always so stressful because it was when the least work was around for either of us. We're making plans to go on holidays. We could never do that before. Um, I find it amazing how much stress there is in just insecure financial. Yet you've stress. got two parents working. So that now we that do. must take a toll, though, um, you on know, the logistics, I mean. Logistically... Uh, I thought it would, um, but my kids now are older. So my daughter's at school and my son's almost four. And also the interesting thing is that the other children in the family have grown up and gone to school. So there's less pressure on my parents in terms of minding. Surprisingly for me, um, at the beginning, so he leaves at quarter past six in the morning. And I thought the first two weeks, I wasn't breathing very well. <laughs> trying to get double drop-off happening. But now, you know what? They're better with one parent in the morning. They listen to me. Well, okay, maybe they don't listen to me, but we get things done. I was going to say, how do you do that? No, no, they don't listen to <laughs> me. Please. Um, but it means that I, I feel like I've got time back with them. So I'm a working mum. So I used to walk out the house and, you know, clip my heels on the way out. Woohoo! I'm just going to go get my coffee and catch the bus and I'm having my party time while dad's getting them out the door. But now um, I've started, I switched, I'm making them eat at the breakfast table now, whereas we used to, I used to let them eat in front of the TV while I tried to get everything done. We eat together. I try to get them ready on time. And then I actually enjoy dropping them off because I get to see their friends wherever they are. I get to see the adults in their lives. I feel more of a part of their lives now that we have that routine. The only problem is it pushes it out the other end. So instead of them getting to bed at seven o'clock, they're like eight, eight thirty, 
whatever it might be, because everything gets pushed out because I don't get to work till 9.30. Yeah, something always has to give, as we learn, doesn't it? So if you could look back on who you were before you became a mother, what advice would you have for that woman? Um, Start meditating early. (laughs) You know, uh, I think the thing I've, I've learned now that I didn't know then is that parenting is a lesson. You know, it's not something you need to know day one, three months in, a year in. Everything is going to be a lesson. And if you can just be open to learning from the situation and trying to adjust, look at what's making you unhappy. Try to shift it a little bit or um, just know that you don't have to have all the answers. I think it would have been a much less worrisome experience when it came to the whole work and finance thing. I know that our perceptions around motherhood change at any given hour, let alone day or year. <laughs> yes. How would you describe motherhood at the moment? Um, for me right now, uh, motherhood is about growing up, I think. It's about accepting that I'm responsible for these two human beings and that my job as their mother, but also as, as a human, is to keep evolving. Like I'm not, I thought when I turned 30, I had it all sorted. I knew what I, the rights and wrongs of life. I knew how to behave. My children have taught me that there are so many different ways to be in the world and that the most important thing is just to keep learning. Yeah. That is very beautiful. Thank you for your honesty and your authenticity. That was journalist and Kindling Conversation presenter Siobhan Hunt. Our resident careers counsellor and psychologist Kirsty Levin joins us in the studio with some tips for parents in similar situations. Kirsty, we heard Siobhan talking there about when she was pregnant for the first time. She was actually working in a contract situation. It's extra difficult to negotiate maternity leave when you actually don't have a full-time job with the employer. What are your tips for people in that situation? It can be quite an unnerving scenario, I think, when you don't quite know what you are eligible to receive at that point in time. So it's really important to um, become well-informed about the legislation and what you will be eligible for as a a casual, a contractor, a part-time employee or even a full-time employee. So according to Australian legislation, if you've been employed for between 10 and 13 months before you've had your baby and you've worked for at least 330 hours during that period with no more than an eight-week gap between um, two consecutive working days, then you're eligible for the government paid parental leave scheme. So it's about being armed with knowledge when you go in for the conversation. Yes, you really do need to understand what your rights and responsibilities are. But you also need to understand the difference between small and large employers as well, because for small businesses with employees of less than 50, they don't necessarily have to offer parental leave at all. It's only for businesses that have 50 employees or more that have to offer 12 weeks unpaid parental leave as a bare minimum. Many people think that having a flexible work situation would work in your favour when you become a parent. And we saw that with Siobhan and her husband, Daniel. They were both freelancers and they thought that would be ideal. But once you add childcare into the mix, as we know, everything changes. What advice do you have for parents in similar situations? This is a really good case of fantasy versus reality, I think. And 
It's so important to have such an open and honest, frank conversation about your expectations, about your fantasies, about your ideal scenarios, and to figure out whether they're the ideal for both of you, because it's very common that both partners have these ideal scenarios in the back of their mind, but they don't necessarily match up for each other. So, and that leads to a lot of assumption and assumption then leads to, you know, mismatched opportunities and mismatched behavior. So have that open, explicit conversation about what your needs are, what your expectations are, and you can go from there and plan out who's going to work when, how, why, etc. what choices you're going to make. In Siobhan's case, we saw that it worked better for her family, that her contract work was ongoing. So she went and worked full-time, and her husband, Daniel, became the stay-at-home dad, the primary carer. We'd think that in this day and age that that would just be seamless and a really normal situation, but there still seems to be a stigma around the stay-at-home dad. Do you see that? Yes, we see that stigma all the time. And obviously there's two sides to the coin. On the male side, there's obviously a lot of stereotyping and common assumptions about the fact that, oh, the male should go back to work. And so a lot of fathers cop a lot of criticism and a lot of sort of shaming, I guess, from their fellow colleagues, friends, family about the fact that they're staying at home. And that can be a really hard pill to swallow. And it really does mean that fathers need to step it up and become more assertive and own their role as the stay-at-home dad and say, look, these are the benefits of me staying at home with my children. I'm forging much stronger relationships with my kids as a result, and I'm learning what it takes to be a parent much faster and much more practically, I guess, than some other parents who are at work 24-7, for example, their counterparts. And on the flip side, I think there's a lot of criticism and and shaming of mothers that decide to go back to work um, because they're seen to be abandoning their children and abandoning that 1950s housewife sort of position that they should have taken. So there's a lot of guilt and shame around that. And that's a really, really hard thing to deal with day to day. Yeah, Siobhan talked about that idea of how wonderful that was for her husband to be home with the children and that's time that can never be taken away from them and forging that relationship. But like so many women, Siobhan was talking about how even though she's the one out working, earning money and the husband's at home, she still bears the brunt of the mental load, that famous mental load that women seem to carry no matter what the circumstances are. Yes, there's been a lot of research, I guess, about the male and the female brain and how we really work from an instinctual level. And when it comes down to it, what most of the research says is that women tend to have a multi-focus or an ability to have a multi-focus. And therefore, we can think about many things and cross back and forth constantly with ease, seemingly with ease. Whereas on the other hand, the male brain is a little bit different. They have more of a singular focus and they have more of a focus on providing singular things one at a time. And therefore, it is a skill to be learnt over time to shift that brain mindset from single focus to multi-focus, which is absolutely paramount to being a parent. Because parenting means you have to have all the balls juggling in the air simultaneously. You have to know about the laundry and the cooking and the reading and the nappy changes and whatever else is going on all at the same time. And you have to have it all juggling in the back of your mind. So I think for fathers who are stay-at-home dads, they learn to juggle those balls and become multitask 
much faster than some other fathers out there that are working more often than at home. But it is a skill that takes time to learn. It doesn't happen overnight. This is terrible news for women out there that this is a biological thing. But you are saying, by the sounds of it, that with practice, men too can be multitaskers. There's hope. Yes, there is definitely hope. There are a lot of stay-at-home dads that multitask just as well as mothers out there, but it's because they've been doing it for a, a decent amount of time and they've learned and developed that skill. When you've got a situation where there's job insecurity for either one or both partners, say when, when they're working freelance, that can take a real toll in terms of daily challenges and mental health. Do you What, what advice do you have for people trying to combat that? I think it can cause a lot of anxiety and tension in a relationship and a lot of pressure on the day-to-day spending and decisions that you make for your family. So because of that, it becomes really important to sit down and do something as basic as as a weekly budget for your family, to sit down and nut out what all of your fixed and variable costs are together, you know, down to the groceries and the entertainment budget that you want to allocate and how much you want to spend on gifts. Um, All of those things have to be written out in black and white so that you know what your leeway is and you know where your pressure points are for the bills that are coming out monthly or quarterly. And that way, then you can start to negotiate a little bit around, okay, where can we splurge a little bit? Where do we need to tighten our purse strings a little bit and adjust our lifestyle? And what sort of minimum salary do we need to earn to ensure that we're going to be functional and sustainable long term? And it's not always easy for couples to see it as what's yours is mine either, is it? Pooling the money for the family. Yes, it might be the first time that they've ever really had to pull the money because it's a common concern and it's a common responsibility to take care of their children as a family unit. So it is. it does take a lot of teamwork and a lot of collaboration to, to figure out your finances together. Well, Kirsty, thank you for all of those invaluable tips. We appreciate your time. Thank you. That was Kirsty Levin, careers counsellor and psychologist from the Parents' Village. If you're a working mum and you have a question about your work-life balance and how to keep on top of everything you're doing, send us an email, podcast at babyology.com.au. Subscribe to The Mother Shift wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like it, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating and review. That's it for today's episode. I'm Jacinta Tyne and join us next time for more of The Mother Shift, a babyology podcast.